stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He will, the King of glory, shall reign eternal. Soldiers of the cross, lift high this royal banner, it must not suffer long. Hallelujah. It's good. Wow. It's good to see everybody this morning. Amen. And happy Mother's Day. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning. But right now, praise God. It's good to see you this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessing to be upon this place today. Father God, I just come before you right now, and I just thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house. God, it's been a great Sunday school class already, and I know you're going to continue to move through us now. So, Father, we just give you all honor, praise, and glory for everything that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I hope you find him today. But right now, find somebody around you, give them a hug, shake their hand, and just tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. So aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my new Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow. Praise the Lord, I found the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered alone. With ease and peace, I claim for my own. Then, like a blind man, God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night, now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the 
join us. Said I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more. As you take your seats, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. In. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can grab a seat this morning. It's good seeing everybody this morning. As I said earlier, happy Mother's Day. Where did Raina and Olivia go? Raina and Olivia. Come on up, girls. All right. I know everybody's grabbing their seat because they wouldn't grab someone else's. That was a hint. Okay, here's what I want to do this morning. In recognition of Mother's Day. Now, there, there are things I've done in the past, and some of them um, uh, got me in trouble. So we're just going to do one thing today. But first of all, in honor of Mother's Day, I'm going to ask all our mothers to stand up. Full house. Amen. Girls, girls, if y'all will take, Raina, if y'all will take these right here, one of y'all take each one and go hand a rose or let the ladies pick a rose. We want to honor you today by giving each one of y'all a rose. Olivia, you can take that one. And Raina, you can take that one. And just walk along and let the ladies pick a rose. And no, Beryl, you can't have one. <laughs> All right. The girls are going to come, and I'm going to, I want you to hold your hand up if you sit down. But we're going to honor, and we're going to point, point out, who is our oldest mother today? Okay. You mean, you mean most experienced? Uh, excuse me. Most experienced. Public relations is not my job. <laughs> most experienced mother. Well, some of us have had way more experience with the kids. Okay. Say again. This is going to get me in trouble, too? Okay. You don't have to stay standing, but if you're our mom and you're over 60, stay standing, but everybody else sit down. Okay. If you're under 60, sit down. If you're a mom under 65, sit down. Still got something going. Your mom under 68, sit down. Okay, a mom under 70, sit down. A mom under 72, sit down. A mom under 74, sit down. I'm not making much headway. A, a mom under 75, 76, 100. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a mom under 78. Sit down. A mom under 79. We still got one, two, three, four. Four and Lisa. <laughs> All right. Hey, under 82. 85. 
86. Yay, we got a winner. <laughs> hey, Frank. Frank. Yes. Pastor Frank. I hear it. Okay. Hey, my mom gets extra credit for putting up with me. <laughs> Truth. Truth. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, no comment. Amen. In all seriousness, guys, we do appreciate our moms. I pray that you will honor your mothers today. There is no service this evening so that you will have time to go and, and either please make a phone call, maybe go visit, just say hello. Uh, but let your mom know that you're praying for her. I praise the Lord for each one of our mothers that are represented here today. And remember, that, that, that's one of those promises, one of those biblical passages that comes with a promise. Honor your mother and father so that all may go well with you. Amen. It's something we need to do. Amen? Amen. All right, just a few uh, announcements this morning. As I said, no Sunday service tonight. And I'm going to make a weird request. Um, does anybody know Margie and Alan that come to Sunday evening service? Do they know how I can get in contact with them? Somehow we need to let them know no service tonight because they only come at night. Okay, anyway, so no Sunday service this evening uh, because of, of Mother's Day. The other thing I'm going to point out, the other thing I want to point out, guys, is a misunderstanding, a miscommunication, uh, something of that nature. But I want to explain May 19th one more time. There's been a lot of confusion going out there as to what the first service is. The first service, May 19th, is not. It is not a memorial service. That's the second service. The second service will be when we ring the bell. We're going to name the, the, those who, the victims, the, the deceased, the martyrs who went on to shed their blood there. The 11 o'clock service is the memorial service. The 9 o'clock service is for members and family of the victims that were going to come, and so we can have a regular church service on that day. So it is a church service where we are going to dedicate the building onto God. Now, what does that mean? There's been confusion on that as well. You've heard me say many, many times, you've heard it taught in our classes and other things as well, we, the people who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are the church, not the building. Now, what does that mean? When I say we're going to dedicate the building, such as if someone brings a baby to me, that baby cannot make the decision on its own part at that point to follow Christ. Therefore, that baby cannot be baptized. However, you can dedicate that child, which means that we as a family choose to surround that child and raise it up to the best of our ability with Christian values and a Christian home and, ch and choose to raise that child up to, to know who Christ is. When we dedicate the building, that's just a building. It is rock, it is wood, it is beautiful. But what we are doing is not saying that that building becomes our God or that building is, is what we worship. We are saying we choose to use this building in the honoring of the one who loved us more. The dedication of that building is lifting the church, who are we, saying that we gather in that place not to worship the building, but to worship the God that this building represents. Does that make sense? Amen. So that first service, we're going to open the doors at 8 o'clock for those who have signed up and have bands. Again, I have caught a lot of heat from some folks that there's not enough seats, that they somehow should have multiplied the seats. 
the, the sanctuary is only so big. That's why we could only allow so many into the sanctuary for the first service. And that will be our dedication service. You can come at 8 o'clock, peruse the facility if you have your bands. 9 o'clock, that service is going to start. Then we're going to leave out of there about 10. They're going to put lots more chairs and overflow. And the 11 o'clock service is the memorial service. Following the memorial service, after everyone has spoken, there's a lot of people that are going to be speaking. Then we're going to have uh, Wilson County Farm Bureau is bringing their cook trailers, and we're going to have lunch out here on the grounds, and we're just going to have a great day in God's house. But please don't allow, and here's what I'm trying to stress. Satan, Satan came into our church 18 months ago and tried to do something that was over the top and break us. He did not win. Evil did not win. Amen. But he continues now to try to lob these little spirit bombs in. And guys, don't let him win again. We need to stand firm with our heads held high and trust the Lord and say, Thus saith the Lord. And worship. Don't allow circumstances to steal your joy. Amen? Let's have a good day dedicating that house, a good day remembering those who gave their all to, to help bring into fruition that new and beautiful facility. But most of all, let's spend that day worshiping the one who died for us. Amen? Amen. So praise the Lord. Uh, that, that, that's enough on the announcements. I pray if you've got any more questions with that, uh, get with me or Wendy, but I think we've got that all covered. There, there, there is a uh, only, uh, let me say this again, the only ones allowed into the first service are those who have signed up and got on the list and will have a band, and that is so that those who are media and other people and those that don't, just don't need to be in that first service. They can't come into the first service. So I pray that you've already have your band. I think there are a few more chairs available if you are a member and or related to a family member. Uh, get with Wendy and I, and we can vet that out. All right. That's enough announcements this morning. Brother Daryl. Where's Brother Daryl? Oh, you're Daryl? Did Daryl tell you to come up? Okay. I'm not Daryl. I promise I'm not that kind of church. I'm not Daryl. <laughs> I'm not Daryl, but that's my brother Daryl. That's aging myself, huh? Daryl yeah. and my other brother Daryl. All right. Uh, I did ask Daryl if I could uh, share a few short words before him this morning because God gave me something to say this morning. In Esther 4.14, it says, Maybe you are here placed here for such a time as this. Mother's Day is really hard for me now, but it's no more hard than the things Chris went through, the things Julie went through, the things all of our survivors went through. It's none of that compares to what Queen Esther went through. She had to face the queen and know that she could have been executed on the spot in order to come for such a time as this and save her people. Our current circumstances are nothing in light of glory. And when Amen. God calls us to do a task, it is always for such a time as this. So when God calls you to do a task, you need to be willing and able to share his word in season and out of season because you're there for such a time as this. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.
Well, brother, you have to follow that. <laughs> Father God, I lift up my brother to you and just ask we hear your words through him. Thank you for his willingness and his obedience in sharing your word. And God, may we just have a blessed day in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. I'm gonna, uh, my scripture is going to be Proverbs 31, 25 to 28, if y'all want to go ahead and go there. Start out with, I just want to say, uh, if I hadn't told you already, all the mothers have their mother's day. Special shout out to the best mom and wife that I know sitting back over here. <laughs> Love you, babe. All right. Let's get started. Proverbs 31, 25 through 28. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the times to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teachings of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well at the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So, love your moms, guys. They do a lot for everybody all the time. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I come to you to give thanks to all mothers who so generously and freely give love and comfort and guidance to their children every day. I ask you, Lord, to give them strength to carry <clears throat> on doing their work. Give them patience and let them see that they are loved, appreciated, and respected. I thank you for the sacrifice each, mo uh, each mother makes every day, and I pray that you bless them and touch them with your grace. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning. Your holy name. 
Yeah. 
pray this morning if you don't know Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior you can't say you're his child that you would make that change today if you have your Bibles this morning turn to first Kings first Kings this morning I had something in mind I was going to share and I had Morgan setting up some video for it and such and then the Lord just changed my mind and went a different direction this morning. But we're going to look at a story that many of us probably have heard at one point or another, but something that just jumped out of it that I feel as though that we need to equate and watch how the wisdom within this story is in 1 Kings. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to rule Israel. He didn't ask for anything else. When God said, I'll give you whatever it is, what do you ask for? He said, I want the wisdom to be able to rule Israel the way you would have me to rule Israel. And he wrote the wisdom literature. However, in this passage of Scripture, it's not just the writings of Solomon that we have. It's not just the, the, the historical record of Solomon. Here, in this passage of Scripture in 1 Kings, we see Solomon putting that wisdom to action. Putting it not just in a head knowledge, but taking that head knowledge, allowing God to move it into a heart knowledge to get not the legalistic style of what God had said, but what is the purpose of God, and was able to apply that wisdom to everyday life and not only save a life, but to glorify a mother at the same time. So in Solomon, excuse me, in 1 Kings, we're going to read about Solomon, Chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. I forgot to get that to you, Morgan. But chapter 3, verse 16. Then two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. 
One woman said, please, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was in her house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. During the night, this woman's son died because she relayed on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him at her breast and she put her dead son in my arms. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning, when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, my son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. And the first woman said, no, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. So they argued before the king. Then the king replied, this woman says, this is my son who's alive and your son is dead. But that woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. And the king continued, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. And Solomon said, cut the living boy in two and give half to one and half to the other woman. The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My Lord, give her the living baby, she said, but please don't have him killed. But the other one said, he will not be mine or yours. Cut him in two. And the king responded, give the living baby to the first woman and don't kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given, and they stood in awe of the king because they saw that a God's wisdom was in him to carry out such justice. So think about that story. Two women, two mothers, who are of questionable character, if you will, come before the king. Now, because of their social status and poverty, they have no one to act as their advocate. They have no one that they can plead their case to, to go and, and plead it in an eloquent fashion. These mothers, all they had was their motherhood. They had no money. They, had, they were in the lowest social class. Now, a few Hebrew scholars have, have tried to make that term, the word there, zonot, try to stretch it into saying innkeeper. But that's, that's, that's a really huge stretch. These women were the women of ill repute. They were prostitutes. That's the proper translation. So they were on the, the lowest rung, if you will, of the class of people in society of that day. Now, understand, I'm not saying that we should take them lower. Or it, there is no classification of people. You're either saved or you're not. Amen? That's not the story I'm going with this. But in that society at the time, they had nothing. They were regulated down to the lowest point of society. They would not have been given the time of day, much less a, a royal audience. However, Solomon was a different kind of king. Solomon had the wisdom of God. Solomon understood that God cared about everybody, and he wanted to show that he cares about the lowliest of people. He is a defender of the poor. He's a defender of the outcasts, the disadvantaged, all of them. After all, he is ruling by the wisdom of a God who cares for all of us. Amen? It's a long time before Christ comes and teaches us that, that he cares that none should perish. No, not one. They didn't have that ideology during that, the ancient times. But Solomon, because it was God who was ruling through him with his wisdom at the moment, he understood that God cared about everybody. And so, therefore, he believed that everyone should have access to justice because God cared about each individual. By their profession, these two were, were violating God's law, yet Solomon knew that God still loved them. 
Guys, there's a sermon right there that, that I thought maybe God was leading me down. Remember, it is not for us to con- convict and condemn people for their sins. It is for us to invite them to hear the gospel, come to the church and hear the word of God, and it's God who cleans them up. Amen? It is not for us to pick and choose whose lifestyle offends us. And, and we say, oh, they shouldn't go to church because they do this or they do that. He's got tattoos. He's got, she's got piercings. Oh, she had a child out of wedlock. This one's got this lifestyle. That, that's not what Solomon did. Solomon said, I know they're breaking God's law. However, God's, as long as there's breath in their body, God loves them, cares about them, and let's give them a justice. Let's give them the, a, a hearing. Let's see what they have to present. Amen? So Solomon is ruling in such a fashion. We tend to easily condemn certain people, easily condemn those who, who, who offend us. We don't like to show grace to these people. Praise God, that's not what Solomon was doing. Solomon says, no, let, let them come forward. Israel's kings were sometimes called upon to, to resolve particularly thorny cases. This was, a, this was a hard one. There was no witnesses. There was the, 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 the kings sometimes would grant periods of, of public access so that, that the people could come and, and they could arbitrate uh, the, the situation, the disputes, by, by a priestly edict, by a kingly, a royal edict, if you will. And they were coming before him because this was a hard one. A lower, lower judge didn't know what to do. The child was obviously alive, but there's two mothers claiming to be the mother I don't know. And this is the day that Solomon's opening court. Solomon will listen to these two. Let's just take these two in here. So this is kind of like the, the, the popular phrase going through TV right now, the people's court, if you will. It's, this, instead of Judge Judy, this was Judge King Solomon. Amen? His decision was going to stand. His decision had to be made. So Solomon's willingness to hear the case shows the concern that he had in his heart for touching the lives of his people. He realized that by being God's man on the throne, by speaking the word of God, he couldn't pick and choose who came. God cared about all of them. And these ladies came to him. They brought these, the, the, the people in the community brought these two women to him sitting at his throne. Isn't it great to know that sometimes, especially in the political climate we're in right now, leaders can get consumed by national interest, but occasionally they'll have a bright hope and get involved in a more personal, everyday matter. Amen? That's where Solomon was. Solomon saw this child. Solomon saw a child that needed his mother. But he also saw a mother that was heartbroken. How does he prove it? What, what, what do I do here? These two women appeal to Solomon, and Solomon's uh, uh, rattling his head here. Now, there are liberal thinkers out there who say this was just a fable. But it was common for ancient kings to have written down uh, decisions that would last the test of time. This is not just in our scriptures. This story is actually found in historical records as well. Hallelujah. It gives more pertinence to the fact that it was real. Solomon comes to the throne. He's sitting here. He is judge over all. He's asked the Lord to give him wisdom how to rule his people. And here comes this case, <coughs> a very complicated legal dilemma, seemingly unsolvable dispute. (coughs) Forgive me. Because there's no witnesses. It's one mom's word against another mom's word. Two women with a newborn babies. They they probably don't know who the fathers are. 
They have no one they can go and say, okay, this baby looks like this man here. This man was with her, so this must be it. He didn't have any of that kind of stuff. And now they're both claiming that the live child is there. There was no, no CSI Jerusalem to run and get DNA tests from. Amen? He didn't have any of that stuff. All he had to fall back on was the wisdom of God. But he saw in these mothers, and I have a feeling he even saw it before his, hey, he proved his case, but he could see a child that needed his mama, and he saw a mama that needed her child. Now, in verse 9, Solomon, we didn't read verse 9, but if you go back and look at it, Solomon is sitting there, and he says, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. I have prayed that prayer many a time, not because I'm a king on a throne, but I pray that when I step behind a pulpit or I step in behind the, the counseling hat or whatever it may be, I kind of like to lift up like Solomon did. Lord, give me a discerning heart to govern your people and to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. Why do I say those things? Because people can be fooling. But praise God, you can't fool him. And therefore, we each one should pray that. We should each one, Lord, give me the, the Constitution. Give me a discerning heart so that when I step in the midst of a situation, it's not about him or her or her or him. Lord, let me be your man. Let me be your woman. Let me be your person for the hour. Thank you, brother. Actually, I do need that. <clears throat> Forgive me. Amen. <clears throat> He had to judge, and he wanted to do so in a godly way. Wisdom, God granted him enough wisdom at that point to, to, to be able to tell which was a true mother without hard evidence. God gave him a discerning heart. And here's the thing. Wisdom is real. Wisdom is real and practical. It's, it's, it, wisdom is something we can have. It's a sense of what to do, how to do it, and why it must be done. But there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. See, he could have read books on what to do. He could have read books on all the legalities and the laws. He could have had all the knowledge, but wisdom comes from the Lord. It's taking the knowledge that you put in here, giving it over to the Lord, not walking on our own education, not walking on our own opinions, not walking on what we think is right. It's taking the knowledge that we glean throughout our life, whether it be from books or experiences, applying it to our lives in our hearts and say, Lord, now give me the wisdom to distinguish, to be able to tell between right and wrong. Give me the discernment to be able to look into this, these people and be able to rule in a fashion that's right or wrong. Knowledge is not often enough. We all, we've probably all known people who had a whole lot of book smarts but had no common sense. And, and guys, I'll be honest with you. When I was in the secular world and I was, I was running the company here in San Antonio, I'd much rather hire a technician that had common sense that I could teach than somebody who thought they knew it all and couldn't do anything that one with the common sense is the one that's going to make it he's the technician you want to be able to send out in the field that's what the, what solomon had prayed he said lord i have the knowledge i grew up under my dad david i had the best of teachers i have the knowledge but now give me the wisdom to be able to go forth and to discern the hearts of your people and distinguish between right and wrong we can surround ourselves with the the best and the brightest. But, but folks, that doesn't mean that we're going to have the wisest decisions. It's when we focus on Christ. It's when we focus our lives on God. It's when we put all aspects of who we are and those around us in God's hands. 
It's God who's going to give us wisdom to show us the evidence. Solomon, in the midst of this, produced his own evidence. And it was the evidence of the heart. He could look into the heart of a mother and know which mother was real. He knew, would be able to tell which was the true mother because that mother's heart was not even going to in a little bit relinquish the maternal feelings, the love that she had in her heart for her son. He was able to, to reveal the compassion of the true mother and the callousness of the false one because the love of our heart is always going to proceedeth out of our mouths. Remember, we, we talked about that passage of Scripture before. What's within a man is what's going to come out. He knew that the real mother of this child could never allow this baby to die. <coughs> he knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the love that we have in our hearts. He knew the love in the heart of a mother. We, we tend to go out into the world, and, and we know our problems, we know the things around us, but we don't realize how to fix them. We want to keep trying to do it on our own. In fact, it's been said that you must live with people in order to know their problems. I would submit to you this morning that it's a little bit different than that. I would submit that we need to live with God in order to know how to solve our problems. It takes more than just knowing the problems of the world. It takes getting discernment and wisdom from the one who knows how to conquer those issues and those problems. It takes wisdom and and assurance of the Lord to be able to stand firm in the midst of a problem that may take a while. Solomon, when he sees this child, he sees these women, he thinks in his mind and it goes to his heart, God gives him the wisdom and he says the love of a mother for her child is going to stand out above all things. It's not about the legalities of you get half and you get half because I can only halfway believe the both of you. He he takes it to wisdom and applies it and says the love within this mother's heart is going to stand out. So he says I'm going to devise a scheme. I'm going to put together a, a, a test and he calls for the sword. And the sword comes and he confronts the two mothers with this test. And remember, for this to work, they must think that he is deadly serious. He has to bring that sword and, and, and lay it out there and say, this child's going to be cut in two. I can see Solomon, he's, not, he's acting like it's no big deal. It's just a brat, just a little kid. Bring a sword cut in half and give a half to each mother. That's what's going to break the heart of a real mother. A mother who truly loves her child is going to do whatever she can to save his life. And he knew that. He knew the maternal bond that would be there. So he calls for this sword, and he has the baby laid out there, and he makes her, makes them think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow through. And the choice now is between the, the claim of motherhood and the claim of life itself. Do you want to just be called a mother, or do you want to save that child's life? And Solomon is confident that the maternal emotions of a real mother, a mother that will go over and above to do whatever she can to save her child, is also a mother who's going to sacrifice whatever it takes. Even if it means sacrificing the term of motherhood so her baby can live, he knew that's what that mother would do. He knew that one who truly loved another would lay down his life. Greater love hath no man than he who lays down his life for his friend. It would be even more so for this maternal instincts. He knew that a mother who truly loved that child would lay down her life. She would give up the term motherhood and break her heart knowing that someone else was raising her baby as long as she knew that baby didn't have to die. Wisdom. The wisdom of Solomon, wisdom of God came through Solomon. Solomon knew he could count on the self-sacrificing love of a mother. 
her concern for the safety of her child would surface and identify her, and he knew it. He knew it. What am I trying to point out here this morning? This Mother's Day, I guess what I'm trying to say is simply having a child does not make you a mother any more than having a piano makes you a pianist. I have a beautiful piano in my house. Nobody struck the keys on that piano but my little grandbabies, and that's when I can't get to them quick enough to tell them not to. I was hoping somebody <clears throat> would learn. <laughs> Sorry. I never call my kids out from the pulpit, but that one, that, that needed it. Anyway. <laughs> I love you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> anyway. And no, she's not a mother. Let me, let me, let me stop that real quick. <laughs> yeah, she can enjoy the day. Anyway. Just because I have a piano in my house doesn't make me a pianist. Just because we have a child running around us doesn't make us a mother either. In other words, the false mother could do nothing but hate. She came up empty. Why? Because she didn't care. That wasn't her kid. You know, a family vacationing at Disney World, I read this just the other day. The family was vacationing at Disney World. It was incredibly crowded. It was wall-to-wall people. The, the mother was there with several of her children and she got all her children together, and she said, if for some reason, somehow, we get separated, if something happens, and you lose where I am, what I want you to do is run up to a mother pushing a stroller and tell her what's happened. Now, you would say, why would she tell her kid to run up to a mother and that some, some mothers that they don't even know? Because that mother that's pushing that stroller knows what a mother's love and the fear that other mother's going to have and do everything she can to protect that child right then. There's safety in a mother's love. There's safety in that knowledge of knowing that your mom. I shared this in Sunday school this morning. There's safety. Why does a baby get quiet when its mother holds it to its bosom? It feels the safety and the heartbeat and the love of his mother, her mother. And that baby can then be calm and at peace in the midst of the storm because its mama is there. When he said, bring a sword, when Solomon said, bring a sword, we're going to cut this baby in half. Solomon's words, they pierced the heart of the true mother, revealing her compassion, revealing that she was willing to give up anything. In fact, the word that's actually there is rakamim, and it means a, a burning within the womb. In other words, that the word that was there, when it says compassion, we think of compassion like, oh yeah, it was this, that. No, it really meant a gut-riching hurt in her, in her womb is the word that's being actually translated there. She had a gut-wrenching hurt in her womb for her son when, he, she, he th- when she thought he was going to cut that baby in half. And she said, no, I'd rather let that woman raise my child than you hurt my baby. Compassion is more than just emotion, guys. That compassion she had was more than just a, oh, I care about my son. The compassion that mother had was a compassion that said, that baby is mine. That baby needs to live. I love that baby beyond anything. It was a compassion that, 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 that was above all else. Guys, compassion starts when there's a human distress, and we take actions to, to alleviate that pain. We do things to, to we'll, we'll even have personal sacrifice to get rid of the, the hurt in others' lives if we have true compassion. But that mother was having a maternal compassion. It says in verse 26 that her compassion grew warm. She hurt inside. She felt it physically. 
But the other woman, what about her? She regarded Solomon's solution and said, oh, yeah, that's fair. The dishonest one said, yeah, you give her half, I'll take half. I don't, you know, that sounds good to me. I just want to win this argument. No compassion. That maternal compassion was not there. Her callousness was obvious. Envy, oftentimes, is not simply wanting what someone else has, but also wanting them not to have it too. She was envious that that other mother had a baby. That other mother's child was still alive. Well, if I can't have my child, she shouldn't have her child either. So when Solomon comes up with the idea, I'll just cut it in half, in her mind, you know what? I can't have mine, then she can't have hers. Sounds good to me. Folks, I'm pointing all this out for this reason. We're talking about two mothers, one that has a true love for its baby and one that just voiced it. One that truly had a maternal instinct, one who truly had compassion and a heart for that child, and one who was faking it. We can learn something from these mothers here this morning. Because there's those within this church, maybe. There's those within the church of Jesus Christ around this world. There are those who have a heart-wrenching love for their Lord and their Savior, and then there's those who just have a faking it, envious compassion. In other words, an envy. Well, how come he can have so much grace and mercy and I can't? I'll just do things whatever it takes to take away his grace and his compassion. As long as I can't have it now, I don't want him to have it too. And they come to church looking like they sucked on lemons and are trying to beat everybody up. While those who truly love the Lord can walk in peace and even give up self-sacrificing whatever it is so others can know their Christ as well. Solomon knew that when he brought forth that sword, the real mother was going to be there. The true mother was going to cry out. What if the mother hadn't cried out? Would Solomon have followed through? I don't think so. I think he would have probably taken that baby and put it in foster care or something with another family. I don't think he would have cut that baby in half. But he knew that the true mother would cry out. He knew that she would cry out and say, that is my child, but whatever you need to do, don't hurt the baby. Happily, in this case, we don't have to go with the what ifs. We know what happened. Solomon's wise decision, guys, reverberates throughout the land. It fills all his subjects with awe. It fills them all with all this, this peace. And they're like, man, he really is ruling from God. To have that kind of judgment, to have that kind of discernment, to have that kind of power. Because when he heard the one mother say, let her have it, he says, there's the real mom. She's willing to give up her child, the first woman, so that baby can live. The entire country said he's ruling with discernment. He's ruling with the power of God. Folks, such wisdom can only come from above. Such wisdom can only come from Christ. People don't know you People don't care what you know till they know that you care. How do we show that? By having that gut-wrenching compassion like that mother had for her baby. We are to love others as Christ loves them. He said, you'll know my people by the love they have for one another. In other words, we should be compassionate towards one another and love one another with such a grace, with such a mercy, with such a love that when the devil, when the enemy is going to try to do something, we should holler out self-sacrificingly, no, take that from me. I want him to survive. I want him to grow. I want him to live. I want him to become what God's called him to be. 
We are to go out into the world, guys, and we are to show compassion on the rest of the world. We are to share the grace and the mercy of a, of a holy God. And in so doing, acting just like that true mother, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That mother that first morning, I mean, that mother that, that morning in front of Solomon's throne, she didn't know what was going to happen. But she said, I'll trust that leader. I trust God to bring this out because I will do whatever I need to do for my child. Solomon says, I'm going to cut him in half. No, let him live. Folks, we need to trust humanity. We need to trust our society. We need to trust our family. We need to trust each other. We need to trust ourselves into the hands of our leader, who is Jesus Christ. It's when we put our faith completely in him and say, Father, here I am. When we say that we want to trust in his compassion, trust in his wisdom, when life seems unfair, when everything's going the wrong way, praise God, we have an advocate. We have a mediator. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We don't have to be like these women and hope we can make something happen. We have Jesus Christ, the one who had the wisdom to separate those women with that child. When we feel abused, when we feel cheated, when we feel mistreated, praise God, in Matthew it says we have one greater to plead our case. It says that we have one greater than Solomon to plead our case. That's Jesus Christ. If Solomon could have so much discernment and wisdom as to how to separate the real mom from the fake one, and yet we know we have someone even greater in the name of Jesus, then how much more peaceful should we be able to live knowing that we can go before him and trust his wisdom and his compassion? This morning, this Mother's Day, I challenge both moms and dads grandmothers and grandfathers, men and women of this church. There are children in this church who are looking to you. They're watching everything we say and do. We are the examples, guys. You may say, oh, I don't want to be an example for anybody. Guys, whether you like it or not, younger are going to look up to the older and emulate what we are doing. What example are we setting out there? I pray that we will raise up our children with wisdom and compassion passing along the hope and the love of Jesus Christ so that when others are hurting around us, we can say, man, I don't want that to happen. I have a burning in my heart. I have a compassion for that lost Christian. I have a compassion for that group of people. I have a compassion for that lifestyle or that lifestyle. I'm not saying that we change the scriptures. I'm saying that we show them that there is one out there who loves them more than what the world says it loves them. And they're going to be able to look to you. And they're going to be able to tell the real from the fake. Because they're going to see true compassion or they're going to see envy. So the question this morning is, where are you? You can't show the compassion of Christ if you don't know Christ. Solomon would not have been able to rule in such a wise fashion with such a discernment if just a few scriptures back in verse 9, he had not said, Lord... Bless me with the wisdom of discernment so that I may rightfully choose for your people right and wrong. This morning, we can learn from these two mothers. But most of all, we can learn from Solomon. Have you truly, truly trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you have not, you do not have the discernment 
and therefore you can't live the life of compassion that can be the example for the generations coming up behind us. We really want to be an example, then we need to step out of the way and let Christ step into the forefront. What Solomon did that day was spoke of all across the kingdom because he was uh, uh, so mighty? No. What did the Bible say? They could tell that his discernment came from on high. I pray that when people look to the people from Sutherland Springs, when the, when the community hears, next week we're going to have all the media here putting it all on TV. I pray when they look at the people of Sutherland Springs, the world's going to say, I want what they got. And what they have is the peace, joy, and love that comes with the Spirit of God. Not because they're faking it, but because it's real through the blood of Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you get that right. You may be saying, I, I have a knowledge of what you're trying to say, Pastor, but I've ne- I just don't feel it. I've never seen that kind of peace. I've never seen that kind of joy. I've never seen that in my life. Maybe it's time to quit trying to look for it and just let it move in. Maybe it's time to let the Spirit of God move in. And you just pray, Father, here I am. Send me. And watch what he will do in your life. Where are you this morning? I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer here momentarily. And I pray that as we leave here this morning, that you think about those two mothers. One was willing to let the baby be cut in half just so that both could have some. But the other said, I'm willing to give up all so that baby can live. Where are you this morning? What's God saying to you? So I'll stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer this morning. Father God, I just come before you today and I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house. I thank you that we can come together and, and truly trust in you, Lord, just as Solomon did that day when them two mothers came with a baby. I do not believe for a moment that Solomon would have allowed that baby to be cut in half. But I do believe that he used the discernment that you gave him to show the maternal love and compassion of a mother for her son. God, we come before you today. You've shown the love you have for us through your son. You allowed your son to be sacrificed so that we would have a pathway to come on to you. So Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just touch our hearts. Let us see you for who you are. And if there's someone here this morning that does not know you, there's someone here this morning that has never surrendered their heart onto you, there's someone here this morning maybe been in church all their life but realize now they've been walking with a head knowledge but they don't have the discernment that comes with your spirit. Whatever it may be, Lord God, if you will bring it to our acknowledgement today, may we be able to step out and step up and recognize that it's we who you are talking to. That we are the ones who are envious. It is we who want what others have rather than accepting what you have given us. Father, help us to just fully fall into your arms. Accepting you as our Lord and our Savior. 
And God, give us the grace to acknowledge it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing in just a moment, I pray today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and notice I didn't say just Savior, but your Lord as well. I serve a loving God, but he is also a righteous God. We talk about grace and mercy, and praise God, I am going to keep talking about grace and mercy. But guys, let me tell you, I serve a God who is righteous and has righteous anger as well. If you choose not to accept the grace and mercy of Christ, there will come a day that you will face the righteous anger of a righteous God. And it will be your decision at that point as to what you do. I mean, excuse me, you have the capability of making that decision now. Once you're there bowing before him after that last breath, the decision has been made. The choice has been made. Where are you this morning? Where are you as we sing? You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies until all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Knowledge that he died for you. He chose to lay down his life on that cross. Because that's how much he loves you. Now will you be willing to go out for him now? In Jesus name. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. 
child of God this morning. Say amen. 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 A couple of things before we close this morning. One of which I'm going to, we're going to you get a couple of prayers this morning because I, I think it was brought to my attention that we do need to be in prayer. We need to remember both the mothers who have lost their children and the children who have already lost their mothers. That this is a, a hard day for many. So I would like Instead of, and I have prayed this before already, but it's corporately. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads for just a moment. And let's lift them up right now. Father God, I do come before you. Every mother that is alive that has had to outlive their child for whatever the reason breaks that circle that we think is normal and we have a hard time accepting that. But I thank you, Lord, that you are the great choreographer. You know what's going on in the lives and the hearts of your people. And you can speak directly to those moms and let them know that you feel, that you care, that you know, and that you love them. As we just sang, Lord, we are no longer a slave to fear because we are a child of God. May that fear of the unknown, the heartbreak of the loss be held in your hands as you hold these moms to your, your bosom. And God, those children that are here who have lost their moms, and there are those here who have had both these instances, may you rock them in your arms, hold them, love them, and speak to their heart in a way that only you can speak. Solomon that day spoke to that mother's heart. And that mother cried out. Father, I pray that you speak to the hearts of your, your, your daughters today. And may their hearts cry out unto you. May your peace that surpasses all understanding be with each mom and each daughter and everyone 
that's here today. And may we give you all honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Miss Gina is coming this morning, and she has been attending for a while now. She knows Jesus, her Lord and Savior. She's been baptized. I was hoping I could hold her under, but, you know. <laughs> Gina said that she was kind of arguing with God. I guess I can share that, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's been kind of arguing with God and telling God she didn't think she was ready to move her membership, but God told her, no, I told you to move your membership, <laughs> and she's coming down here this morning. And she's wanting to come and be a part of this body. So everybody that's in accordance with that, say amen. Amen. I told her it was just so we could put her to work in the kitchen back there. <laughs> so y'all give her a hug. David, come stand with Miss Gina for me. And guys, when y'all, when y'all see Miss Gina's face, understand that God's telling you to pray for her. Satan doesn't like it when, when we are doing what he's called us to do. And he's going to try to throw these little grenades in. Praise God. That's why we have the assembling one with another. And, and we can put a, a shield of protection around us because my God not just reigns, he already is one. Amen? Amen? Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Remember to pray for Miss Gina. Pray for all the moms. Give your mom a phone call today. If you haven't called her already, let her know that you care about her and you're thinking about her. Amen, if you can. Amen. David, would you close us in prayer this morning?
wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered alone. Worries and fears I claim for my own. Then like the blind man, God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more in dark. No more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light, I saw the I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord, I saw the light.